Cohalette by Madison Scott Clary. R.J. Brewster, 2112. The relief of finding himself sitting in her own bed, he supposed, should have been immediate and intense. Instead, seeing a room around him once more rather than the clinic, all Aude could do was close her eyes and shift down in bed until he was able to draw the covers up over himself, a mirroring of this morning. The weight of the blanket atop him, the feeling of being surrounded, covered, supported by the mattress, seemed more important than... what? Relief? Joy? He didn't feel despair. Didn't feel hopelessness. Ade wasn't sure what this emotion was. It was a non-emotion. It was a sense of swelling, of being too full, of having words and images and colors flooding through him and yet wholly out of reach. When he had awoken this morning, he had supposed that he would head down from home to the clinic and magically find some sort of success, or, if not success, at least another clue, another step along the way, a fraction of success, some piece of eight that, when added up, would save him. This wasn't a puzzle, though, was it? This wasn't a set of steps that could be followed to some logical conclusion. There was no end to the road because there was no road. Dreams, after all, have no plot. A curled beneath the duvet, resting in the fetal position in her childhood bed beneath her childhood blankets. He could not even pretend that he was dreaming. Had he been asleep, this would have been one of those confusing dreams of too much meaning, not nightmare, not blessed peace, just neurons firing at random, conjuring images up from dust, from nothing, mere breath. If history played out as it promised to, there would be no waking. It was in a world of dreams, ere every thought mirrored back against the inner surface of her cortices, both cerebral and exo. The data it had received on the note, still nestled snugly within our pack, was not some hidden clue. It never had been. It had been an artifact of a dreaming mind leveraging the data that had been stored in her exocortex. Some part of him, already in the mindset of rummaging through data that afternoon before rehearsal, was primed to think of clues, of mysteries to solve. Find this note, find this mic, find this solution and perhaps you'll achieve your goal. But what goal was that? Was it to solve the riddle of Cicero's loss? Was it to become unlost, to be found? Or was it to become unstuck? Was it to find something new? Some way to move on, move forward, move, period? You seem kind of frozen, kind of stuck, in a few ways. The laugh that came to him was choked, more sobbed than anything. Well, hard to get more stuck than this. He drew the covers up over her head. Perhaps they wished to blot out the dream with darkness and silence, but this darkness was dream, the barrier, dream. The silence, dream. A slept, then. Not the restless, confused sleep of the night before, but a dreamless sleep of an hour. An hour? A day? What mattered time? It was a sleep of a mind that demanded that very blessed nothingness. Was that something it could request, as it had requested to dream her way back home? It wasn't a long nap, of course. Or perhaps it was. 
Perhaps they could will it to be as long as they wanted. Perhaps they were bound to a rhythm, but the scale did not matter. Perhaps they could bend time. Either way, when I awoke, the corners of her eyes gunked up with dried tears, the funk of the morning had largely passed. The numbness still lingered around the edges, vignetting curiosity, but it was not so all-consuming as it had been. Ade sat up in bed, folding her legs beneath him to keep her tail from cramping. A teased a thread loose from the edge of the duvet, tugged, a habit from youth made easier with vulpine claws. Habits in dreams, dreams that were more than dreams, dreams one knew about and nevertheless was pinned beneath, nightmare demons sitting on one's chest, upon one's mind, upon one's exo, perhaps. If I dream, if I dream, a murmured, words coming unbidden to her lips, if I dream, am I no longer myself? The vignette of numbness throbbed, narrowed, then faded once again. The words seemed to carry import beyond their plaintive query. A could not stop himself from speaking. Dawdling. He stretched her way out of bed and padded to the door of her room, closed. Wait, he commanded himself, hand on doorknob. A count to three, a promise to himself. I will open this door and will find the open space across the road instead of the hallway. Could one dream within a dream, do so with such detail that they would not notice the transition? Had they dreamed the trip to the clinic? Had they perhaps slept through the return? I do not know. I do not know. A supplication, a mantra against hopelessness. He turned the knob and stepped out into the short grass prairie of the open space. The packed dirt of the trail welcomed their paws. The scent of dust and rattle-dry stalks of grass washed over him. Warm, yellow light hemmed him in through the fog of war. Wait, he said once more, kept her hands at her sides, loose, relaxed, no menu to reach for, no gesture required. A promise to himself, I still have will. The fog receded upon her request, thinned, disappeared, mere breath. The prairie of the open space stretched out before him, a valley and then a ridge of hills to the east, the mountains behind her back. Not a sim, no limitations other than those her dreaming mind had set upon him. They had spent so long in sims, lived her life out in worlds bounded by the edges of invisible properties that, Upon getting lost, it had imagined the same must be true inside. More so, ere unconscious reasoned, for was a not constrained by the processing power of her exocortex? But it was not a sim. It was a dream. Air dream. Air exo a mirror, and in the end, they held control. No commands, then. No promises. A knew that, were a to take a step forward, her foot would come down on the dinged hardwood floor of her London flat. Priscilla would meow her hellos and twine around her ankles. They did not rush. They stood still. The breeze fingered her fur and teased along the hem of her skirt as a breeze must. There were the wind turbines on the far ridge, three blades twirling laconically, as turbines must. There was the highway across the valley, the gas station squatting low alongside it, as gas stations must. No commands in dreams. No promises required. It would take that step, and all would be as it must. And then it took the step. 
and then Prissa meowed her hello and twined around her ankles. And then Ade fell to her knees and let the cat step up onto her thighs, and they lifted her in her arms and buried her snout in her warm, purring side, and cried. Cried because this was not London. Cried because this was not her cat. Cried because they could dream anything they wanted, and it would never be anything beyond a dream. This was a memory. This was something dredged up from her own mind. Prissa, her very own Prissa, was purring against her face because that's what Prissa must do. She was squirming out of her grasp because they knew that had they held her like that in the waking world, and they had, that that is what cats do. It was her dream, her own, heirs alone. All the lost must perforce be dreaming their own dreams. They had dreamed of homes and clues and boundaries, of cats that squirmed, of himself as a fox, and that one they would keep, and they could not begin to guess at others' dreams. Could a will Prissa to stop, to hold still and be her pillow to cry into? They did not know. Her mind resisted the question, resisted because they did not want that to be the case, did not want to will her precious cat to be anything other than she was. To ask that question was to admit the idea that they could dream anything other than that which they must. They let the cat down so that she could stalk off self-righteously to her favorite spot and groom the tears out of her fur. You've been listening to Kohalet by Madison Scott Clary, book one of the Post-Self Trilogy, read by the author. Kohalet and this podcast are released under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. Music by Chad Crouch, released under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution, non-commercial license. Kohalet is available as a paperback and ebook at kohalet.makyo.inc. That's Q O H E L E T H dot M A K Y O dot I N K. If you'd like to support more of my writing, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash makyo. That's patreon.com slash M A K Y O. Thanks for listening.